Welcome to the Financial Copilot podcast and video channel where airline pilot and CFP professional Dan Lomar shares techniques, interviews, and perspectives about financial planning and life in general for airline pilots. Here's your host, Dan Lomar. How's it going, everybody? I am Dan Lamar, CFP professional with United Wealth Management. And like many of you, my business partner, Ellen Bilay, and I are both pilots for United Airlines. Welcome to another video. Hey, are you coming up on retirement? Are you, do you know how you're going to produce income from your investments? Uh, you worked all your life, you put all that money away, did a great job investing. And now it's time to turn it around. Instead of accumulating it, it is time to start spending it. How are you going to do that? Because it is a whole lot more complicated than putting it in. But that's what I'm going to be talking about is I'm going to do a whole series on retirement income planning, how to do it, what considerations to have, how do you stay on track, what do you do if you have a bear market. I just My last video was how, you know uh, retiring in a bear market. Now what do you do? So uh, that's what I'm going to do a whole series of videos on and um, uh, really just, you know, you know, producing income from from investments. That's what this is about. So in this video, what I'm talking about is really kind of the three core strategies of how we're going to analyze that and how we're going to make sure that it's going to work for you. Um, how do we do that? So anyway, uh, that's what this series is about. That's what this video is about. I appreciate you tuning in. Hey, I am uh, here as a service to all United Pilots. If you guys got questions about this stuff, um, I do have folks uh, email me after I do these videos and ask me questions. I'll do my best. Uh, I think I've answered every question so far anyone's ever sent me, but I'll do my best to answer those um, uh, and returning to an email. I'm open for business to, again, if you are coming up in retirement, um, and when I say coming up, I'm saying like within 10 years, because again, I hear it all the time. I wish I would have known that 10 years ago when we started doing some of this planning. So if you're coming up in retirement, I'm open for business. Let's sit down and talk about it. My first meeting is always informal. Uh, it's uh, There's no obligation. It's just for us to get to know each other, kind of talk about what you need, what I can do, and uh, we'll just go from there. But anyway, uh, that's what I'm here for. Spread the word too, because uh, like I said, uh, I hear it all the time. People say, I didn't know about this. Spread the word. Those not watching this video are the ones that probably need to the most. Uh, so help spread the word. And uh, if you like this video, give me a thumbs up. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell icon so that you know when new videos come out. Let's jump into it. Uh, as always, this is uh, don't take this as uh, tax, legal, and investment advice. It's for educational purposes only. It's up, for, it's up to you to decide how it applies to your situation. Um, so before uh, we get into the three uh, methods I'm saying, uh, will your plan work? Um, I want to kind of set the tone here. There's kind of three different, three core ways of retirement income planning. And... Um, uh, income-producing investments, annuities, and a, t a total return approach, which was when we're actually selling principal. And so the most common, so this, I, I just want to distinguish between those three first. And so probably one of the most common things I hear is somebody says, I want to accumulate enough money, I can just live off the interest and the dividends. That's called the income-producing approach. And so um, that is one way to do it. Research, however, research shows Living off of dividends and interest alone is a rather unpredictable way to produce income. Yes, it might work, uh, but it's not the most reliable method 
uh, for you because um, your, your value is still going to fluctuate, that income can fluctuate, interest rates change, the duration of the uh, fixed income things you hold changes, uh, all kinds of things. But anyway, um, it can change. So it may not be the best way, but that's what most people uh, say. And they say, hey, the reason I want to do that is I feel more comfortable not selling principal. Well, guess what? When your stocks produce a dividend, the ex-dividend, and they kick out a dividend, the value of that stock uh, goes down according to uh, how much the dividend is for, called the ex-dividend or uh, uh, the ex-dividend value. So it's it's not a free lunch. Um, so uh, anyway, so the next thing is just annuitizing. So annuitizing and annuity is just a steady stream of income you can't outlive. That's the whole purpose of it. It defeats or it takes away one of the risks we talk about in retirement income planning, which is outliving your money. So an annuity is, uh, is one of the things that fixes that issue because it's, it's an income stream from an insurance company or the government or a pension that you can't outlive. So that's part of it. Uh, you can annuitize your PRAP value if you want to. You could turn it into an annuity if you really wanted to, uh, or even, I think, a partial annuity. So, so that's one way to do it. And then the total return approach is basically kind of looking at all three of those things. And we don't necessarily avoid investments or mutual funds that pay dividends and interest, but we don't concentrate on them either. And we're not afraid to sell principal. As a matter of fact, we plan on selling uh, principal as much as we can. We'd rather, even in retirement, we'd rather reinvest those dividends and those interests and once a year or whatever, uh, how often we're going to do it and we need to raise cash for income, we're just going to sell the principal. And that's kind of our approach. That's one of the biggest differences between it. So we'd rather have an income that produces a total return of 6% rather than a, pr a portfolio produces a 4% income stream but only reduces a, a 5% total return. So again, total return is what we're looking for. Um, I think most people uh, with the income approach are uh, afraid to sell principal, but anyway, I think it's a little bit, a little bit overdone. So anyway, total return approach looks at all those different things. Um, okay, so when we're talking about uh, producing income from a portfolio in retirement, what is our objective? So we're basically, we're trying to balance two things. We're trying to balance current income or maximizing it if we can. We're also trying to make it last. So balancing highest lifetime spending while not outrunning your money. My business partner, Alan Billy said it the best. He goes, hey, there's two phone calls we don't want to get. We don't want to get a call from a 90-year-old client, a 90-year-old client that says, I've got millions and millions and millions of dollars I never got to enjoy because I only sipped off my portfolio. We also don't want to get a call from a 75-year-old client that says, hey, I'm out of money. So we're constantly balancing those two things. And that's really what a retirement income uh, portfolio management is about in, in, in producing that income. We're always analyzing it. So speaking of analyzing, how do we do this? How do we test it? How do we plan for it? We have to, hey, if we're going to have this approach, we got to put it through the test. We got to make sure it's going to last. We don't want to just run off into the woods and say, hey, I hope this works. It's uh, the three methods of analyzing it. So uh, the three big, big three average returns, historical periods, or what we call uh, historical sequence of returns, and then Monte Carlo testing, which is like a financial simulator. So let's look at average returns here first. This is what scenario one would look like. We're looking at uh, kind of a least spending scenario. And somebody might say, hey, look, I'm just going to spend a, a, a little bit out of my portfolio. And you do, you run the averages, and you can see here the blue lines are the portfolio values. You can see here that that portfolio continues to grow over their lifetime. And it looks like there would be a really good chance that this is probably going to work. The problem with this is this would be the 90-year-old client that says, I never spent millions of dollars in my portfolio. 
And so that's the issue with this is like, hey, look, it's probably going to work. Uh, looks like they're probably just sipping off their portfolio. But um, at the same time, there's a lot of money being left on the table also. Uh, so two, we go look at, uh, we spend more using average returns. In this case, so we say, hey, the portfolio value kind of ends up where we started with. That might be something that works. Uh, but again, there's no guarantees. We don't know for sure. We're kind of just comparing these things. And then the last scenario, we're using average returns. Hey, I'm going to spend the highest amount I can, and I plan on running out of money or pretty close to running out of money towards the end. All right, so which one do we go with? Uh, the problem with this approach is if you look at any of these, the portfolio values from year to year to year, there's really no variation. It's, it's a steady growth. The income coming out is steady. There's no variation of these things. Well, that's not necessarily uh, realistic because portfolio values, investments fluctuate. And so that's not going to be realistic. And so what we run into uh, by using average return uh, analysis, we, we ran into something called the flaw of averages. You see the graphic here, the average depth of the water here is three feet. Uh, but the guy just happened to step into the one 10-foot period that's out there. So we can see the same thing in our portfolio values is, yes, over time, we will end up with an average return, but they're going to be different from year to year. And the sequence or the order of those returns come in can make a big uh, difference. So here's an, here's an example of the sequence of returns. Uh, those lines there are portfolio values. They last 30 years. They, each one of those scenarios had the same average return. Um, again, the return was not same, the same from year to year, but when you added them all up and divided by 30, the average was the same, but they all came in a different a sequence. And so that's the big difference here. You can see the exact same average return can, can produce a significantly different uh, portfolio values over time. The average is what, what most people refer to as called the mathematical average. Uh, how it affects the portfolio is called the geometric average. Okay, a little financial geekiness there. Uh, the second thing, okay, so let's say, all right, well, I don't really want to use averages. Let's look at historical returns. Here's another way to do it um, is that, hey, what if I retired right before the uh, dot-com bust in uh, January 2000? And uh, what would happen there to my portfolio? And again, this is, you know, we're, we're taking withdrawals from, from the portfolio while we're doing this. And I want to test my, my uh, retirement plan. What would that look like? So here's, a, here's what the... the Here's what that scenario would look like uh, right after the dot-com bust. This is what it would look like if you retired right before the financial crisis. And again, these are different portfolios and different spendings. This is strictly just a, a demonstration. Um, I'm using actually two different scenarios there. But just to give you an idea that, look, you can put this in, in historical sequence and historical reference and, and kind of see what the, uh, what the returns and what the portfolio would have value would have been like uh, during those particular times. Uh, in this case... Um, we use a strategy called a guardrail strategy. In this case, the portfolio actually went below the guardrail, which would have triggered us and triggered the clients to say, hey, we're probably going to have to make some sort of a planning adjustment uh, to keep the portfolio on track. Uh, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother video, a whole nother discussion right there. Uh, and then it turns out that in 1966, uh, this was the worst time in history uh, to retire because we had a poor sequence of returns and we had really high inflation. So in this particular scenario, we had bad, bad returns and the spending uh, attempted to keep up with inflation. So you can see what the portfolio value did over time there. And that's over about a 14-year period. So it's not the entire thing here. You would have had the 1980s bull market kick off at the end of this. So, you know, uh, things probably would have turned out a little bit more positive at that time. 
But just to give me an idea, hey, look, this is a reference, it's a historical reference, these two or three scenarios, say, hey, how would my portfolio have done? Instead of just using averages, but how would it have done throughout history? So the last one is what we use, uh, and it's called Monte Carlo testing. I like to call it the financial simulator. And instead of just running it through averages and running it through limited historical periods, is that we can actually uh, take the uh, portfolio and the spending plan and we can say, hey, look, what's the probability of success? We can run it through a thousand different simulations and we can say, hey, how many of those simulations failed? How many of them succeeded? And we, th- and we take that percentage and that's our probability, uh, probability of success. So in, that, in this case here, we ran a thousand different scenarios. The red line is zero. You can see here about... Uh, Oh, nine, ten years in, you got a couple scenarios on the low end where they ran out of money, and uh, and then you got a couple way here on the high end where they just kept the portfolio kept just growing and growing and growing, um, and that's where you'd run into that scenario too. If you ran into that, hey, let's adjust this to spend a little bit more. So uh, again, I'll get into that in just a minute. But this is a, an example of a Monte Carlo simulation where you run it through a thousand different simulations and you look at how many succeeded. Um, and then you, you can do comparative scenarios like that. Um, so that's the thing that uh, Monte Carlo uh, uh, takes into account the volatility of the portfolio and it ta- you know, the standard deviation, how much it fluctuates from the year to year. And that's the big thing you want to take into account. You have to know that that exists. And that's the biggest differentiator between that and using straight average returns. This is kind of what it looks like on a graphic here. And uh, we looked at those three scenarios previously. Uh, here's a distribution of returns on um, uh, on the least amount of spending. So uh, you kind of hear his worst case up to the highest case here. Um, and then here's a situation. Here's the, where we're spending the most. You can see here where uh, 15 years into it, we would have ran out of money if we're spending significantly more. Um, but again, on average, the portfolio lasts the entire time. So you know this is kind of give you some insight. Uh, but instead of looking at these funny shaped uh, graphs, all these funny shaped lines, what we do is you just break it down to in pretty simple uh, numbers and just say, hey, least amount of spending, there's an 89% probability that works. Um, uh, in the middle of scenario, 73, and in the uh, highest spending scenario, is a 57%. Um, rather than, in, in which one of these is right? Uh, it, it's, it's personal preference, to be honest with you. Um, most people aren't going to choose the 57% probability, but if somebody really wanted to gamble, you got to keep in mind, that's the highest spending amount. Uh, someone might say, hey, look, I want to spend the highest amount I can possibly spend early in retirement because I don't know what's going to happen. I'd rather do that, and I'm willing to make an adjustment down the road where if this thing really falls apart or I get negative returns, or I don't have the returns that support this, then I'm willing to make an adjustment down the road. But until then, I am, uh, but until then, I, I want to spend the most amount of, uh, as much as I can. Where someone else might say, hey, look, 11, 89% probability, um, they might say, hey, I want it to be higher than that. So there's spending adjustments we're going to make along the way. Um, there's no wrong or right way to do. Most people are going to choose to be above 80%. Uh, but in the end, what we do is we want to keep this on track uh, two ways. Hey, look, we have really positive returns. Let's spend more. Let's have that built into the plan. Let's spend more money than what we anticipated or give more money away, whatever your charitable uh, inclinations are. Uh, so instead of calling it a probability of success, which some people would take as a 11% probability of failure, let's call it a probability of adjustment. Then just, just say, hey, there's an 89% chance in this particular scenario 
where your spending can be as planned or higher. Uh, and there's an 11% chance you might have to take a pay cut or make some sort of a, an assumption that's not going to happen in there. So, so uh, think of it as adjustment rather than just a, a straight um, success or failure. Same thing on this one, 57%. Hey, look, someone might just go, once again, I'm okay with that. I just know I'm probably going to have to, there's a good chance I'm going to have to make an adjustment, a big spending adjustment downward uh, a little bit later. So anyway, uh, the last thing I'll say about this um, is that uh, be reasonable in your assumptions. We use pretty conservative assumptions uh, is what I, what I feel comfortable with. We don't use historical assumptions, especially when the market's at an, uh, at an all-time high because uh, it's more likely to correct lower uh, from that point, but we still have to use some return assumptions. Uh, so we tend to be more conservative uh, in our approach rather than using historical, historical returns. Uh, but just be reasonable in, in, what, uh, in what you're using. Um, in summary, we talked about total return versus income producing investments, uh, average return or the flaw of averages, the traps you can get into with that. We talked about looking at historic returns and then also the financial simulator uh, uh, or the Monte Carlo testing, and then think of it as an adjustment rather than uh, just a strict probability of a success or failure. That's kind of what this video was about. If you got questions about it, give me, uh, hey, shoot me some, uh, shoot me an email. Uh, my next video, one of the most common questions I get about this stuff is, hey, people say, hey, what about the 4% rule? What do you think about that? Very common question. That's actually what my next video is going to be about. I'm going to talk about the 4% the rule, what it is, uh, the good things about it, and, and also uh, maybe uh, maybe the, the not so good things about it, um, what it is. So that's what the next video is about. Shoot me your questions. Uh, again, I'm here as a service for all United Pilots. I'm over for business. If you're coming off in retirement, let's sit down, let's talk. The first meeting is completely informal. Let's just get to know each other, see what we're about. If you like this video, give me a thumbs up. Be sure to subscribe, hit the bell icon so that you know when videos, uh, when, the, when new videos come out. I'm Dan Lamar, CFP professional with United Wealth Management. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Until then, fly safe.